You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and today I'm joined by our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. This is his debut Everything Is Black and White podcast. He's joined us from the Daily Star, so we're going to introduce Aaron, get to know him a little bit, and then, of course, talk about all things Newcastle United. There has been plenty going on, despite the fact there's been a bit of a break in play. But first off, Aaron, welcome to the Chronicle and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. Happy to be here. Um, just tell our listeners then a bit about you and, and I guess really why this might be the, the dream job. Yeah, so like you say, it is the dream job for me. Newcastle fan all my life, born and bred here. Um, yeah, left for a couple of years to go down and work on the Nationals, but yeah, it was absolutely no-brainer to come back up and uh, join the team at the Chronicle for, yeah, like what you say is just a dream role. I like to think it was those two weeks you had at work experience here with the team and you've always it's set, it's set a fire burning yeah I mean look it was five years ago but I always knew I'd be <laughs> back after those uh, yeah like you say those two weeks on the big market that does make me feel slightly old um, before we dive into Newcastle United then we just want to let you guys know about our live events on April the 7th so that's the Thursday before the Wolves game it's going to be taking place at the Tyneside Irish Centre and there's still a few tickets left for you guys to go out and purchase it's £5 a ticket and all proceeds go to the NUFC Fans Food Bank. We will have Aaron on the panel alongside Lee Ryder, Kieran Kelly and the Mirrors, Simon Bird. We've got some fantastic prizes to give away in a raffle as well. A couple of Newcastle United signed shirts by the current squad. There'll be a quiz and it'll just be a chance for you guys to come down and meet us here at the Chronicle quiz our panel and just talk about all things Newcastle United and it should be a great night. You know, there's plenty of positivity around the club and we get to raise money for the food bank. And we know right now with the cost of living crisis going on, it's needed more than ever. I will pop the link into the comments from where you can get your tickets. And there will also be a competition for you guys to win a pair of tickets. I will also pop that link into the comments. You have to uh, sign up and answer a quick question about Alan Shearer. The question is, which team did he break Jackie Milburn's goal-scoring record against? Like I say, I'll pop that link into the comments and you can fill that out and be within a chance of winning a couple of tickets to our live event. Right, now that's done, Aaron. We're going to get on to Newcastle United and let's start with the trip to Dubai, Newcastle's second warm weather training camp. Of course, they went to Saudi earlier in the year and they came back and we saw this, uh, you know, this boost, this, they went on that amazing unbeaten run. I guess... Eddie Howe, Newcastle United fans, especially given the fact they've lost their last two games, will be hoping for a similar result. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think it was a perfect time for them to get away. Obviously, last break that they had in February, they came back, went nine unbeaten. The squad looked rejuvenated. You know, it just looked like a completely different team at what was a crucial moment in the in the season. So there'll be hopes that you know it's done the same again. I think you know, hearing what the players have been saying and what Howe's been saying. 
about the trip it's been positive it's been a good break for them a bit of warm weather and uh and yeah look if it can have the same result as it did last time in saudi arabia then it'll, it'll be a massive benefit for them and they get to see these get to use these amazing training complexes and we know uh, my dad was out there watching them and he was he was joining with them and he's obviously got to see that the facilities they're using and we'd like to think that it maybe gives the owners a bit of inspiration for what they can build here in Newcastle. We know the training ground needs improving. We know it's on their list of things to do, and we hope it's it's not too far in the future that we do see not just a, a revamp, but a total rebuild. You know, you look at the likes of Leicester. I mean, their facilities are unbelievable compared to Newcastle, and that's what the owners want to, to have here to, to attract players. We know Lee Charney always said no players never sign because... Um, of the facilities but when you compare to what their teams are offering you know some would argue it, it does play a part so I, I guess that's the point isn't it that they've gone out there again they've, they've used these amazing facilities and they can gain some inspiration yeah 100% I mean I was taking a look at sort of the complex that they were using and it looks, does look a world away from what they used to at Benton you know you're talking huge FIFA standard pitches you know indoor pools gyms saunas cryo chambers so I think just one look around that complex so like you say there's a bit of inspiration there's you know we can use this back home and I think it was just a positive sign seeing you know some of the ownership out there with the players you know under previous regimes that you know probably would not have happened the players will have just jetted off and had no contact with the ownership so it's another good step you know from the owners to prove that they're you know they're in this for the right reasons and they're you know taking it very seriously so Look, I think it's just another positive uh, on on what looks like it was a really positive trip overall, um, and yeah, look, it was it was good to see. It was good to see Stephen Miller as well, the Paralympic uh, champion from from Cromwellton, a massive Newcastle United fan. He was pictured with me and Dad taking in the train. He was pictured with the group as well. And I wrote last week, it's just another kind of thing that the club are getting right. It's a very very small gesture in the grand scheme of things, you know. But to open the doors to someone like Stephen and your Cast United fan at heart and just say, look, come and join me. That, that's that's such a, a nice gesture to do. And it, it just adds to the list of things they've got right. You know, the, the women's team playing at St. James's Park, uh, I think to start or sometime in May, that, that's an amazing gesture. The, the foundation building opening up. There's loads of things that, that, that they're doing and getting things right. Cheers, bar, moving the statue. How important is that, that they are getting the things that matter the most to Newcastle United fans, right? I think it's, look, it's massively important. Your piece hit the nail on the head the other day that after so long of the Ashley regime, it was it was really imperative that they did come in and look at all the sort of small things that Ashley just completely neglected. I mean, I remember when they came in and, you know, their first week in the job, the owners sat everyone down from Nine Barn, the stadium staff and had a word with them. And it was just amazing to see that they're, you know, they're taking... You know the community on board with them for this journey so look the little things are it's their attention to detail that's you know winning them praise and i think if they can continue to do this for the sort of the long haul then you know look newcastle fans already love them for what they've done so far but i think the relationship's only going to get better if they can continue to sort of focus on these little things that you know fans from other clubs probably don't think are a big deal you know shearer's bar cleaning the windows but to Newcastle fan, you know, these, these stuff matters. The owners are taking pride in Newcastle, you know, like the fans do. So 
I think, look, long may it continue, definitely. Mm. Some might say they're, they're easy wins, but then again, why not? You know, it's just it's like a penalty without a goalkeeper on the line. You, you're going to start to mm-hmm. put it in the back of the net and you might you might as well. So, uh, yeah, so like you say, the windows and all that being cleaned and that was actually one of the most watched Facebook Live videos we did with the windows <laughs> getting cleaned. So I think that sums it up perfectly, um, just how much fans felt St. James's Park and Newcastle had maybe been neglected under the previous owner. Um, Newcastle had a friendly over in Dubai. They beat Gulf United 5-0. Stephen Taylor... The manager there, he wasn't. Uh, it wasn't too long since he was over in Newcastle, actually, for the foundation dinner a few months ago, and he was very excited about you know, what the future holds for Newcastle United. So great to see his side getting an outing against Newcastle. Unfortunately for Stephen Taylor, it was a thumping. It ended, like I say, five nil. Alan Maximum got two. Dwight Gale got a brace, and Joe Linton rounded it off as well. Let's talk balance at maximum. He's coming for some criticism of late. People questioning his commitment and desire. Of course, you know he's not fully fit. I think that's that's that, that's clear. I don't think at times, especially against Everton, Chelsea, while the while the game was right for his induction, I'm not sure. In my opinion, the game plan suited him. You know, you needed um, you needed to continue to press, especially against Chelsea. You, you took him, you brought him on. Almiron went off. We lost the shape. Chelsea went and scored. Um, look, but here's Newcastle's fair flair play, and it's 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 the moments of quality that you have to take above, the, you know, the mistakes and maybe the lack of defensive work that he does do. You know, he posted pictures and, and videos of him, you know, on the treadmill, and and he's answered or he's posted cryptic messages on social media. We think aimed at his his critics. Two goals against Gulf United. Yes, the quality is, is nowhere near the standard, probably not even Championship standard, but. Good to see him getting on the on the score sheet, and he hopefully will come back to Newcastle with the face uh, Spurs, isn't it? Hopefully he'll come with a bit of a, a bounce in his step now. I think he'll come with a bounce. I think he'll also come with something to prove. Like you say, he's been very vocal on social media, no letting people know that he's reading what they're saying about him and sort of the criticism that he's getting. I think he's the type of player that he's always going to split opinion. Unless he starts delivering crazy numbers of goals and assists, I think while he's always that flair player, I think there is always going to be fans that are saying, "Well, you know, should we cash in on him? Is he good for the team? Is he good for what Howe needs?" Like you say, the the Chelsea game lost the shape. It's can you trust him to do the defensive work when the games are tight? It's a tricky one, but I think, like you say, Newcastle haven't had a player like him for years, and he does get bums off seats. He does get the fans excited. He's brilliant on social media with the fans. Um, it's you know he's he's very personal with them, and we've seen some of the sort of the you know generous donations that he's given to fans in the past. So look, I think it, it's only a positive that he's here. Um, I think if he's fully fit and backfiring, then he, he should be sort of brought back into the fold against Spurs. I'm not so sure how it sort of suits his game coming off the bench and being an impact player, you know, against certain teams. But he is going to split opinion. I remember I was at the Cambridge game in February and, you know, obviously everyone knows how that turned out, but it was probably the worst game I've seen St. Maxman had. And I think if he can just find a bit more consistency, you know, rather than just a few sort of flickers in games, then I think he will become a hero at the club. But I think until he does that, you're always going to get fans that are sort of, you know, thinking, should he go, should he stay? I think we've seen his, his game improve. I think we've seen the decision-making get better. There's, there's times where he, he would try and beat 
a man again or he try and be a second man and we are starting to see him put the ball in a little bit early now of course what Chris Wood will will want because he's his bread and butter is you know head and crosses um but many people say Alan Maxwell is not at a top six side for exactly the reason he's been some have criticized him over the last few weeks I guess the question is because Newcastle, let, let's not you know beat around it. They will they will have ambitions of getting somewhere near the top six in the not too distant future. I'm not saying maybe next season, but you would think top ten next season, and then the season after that. You know these the owners aren't here to hang around. Yes, it's going to be sensible. Uh, you know in the transfer market, they're not just going to throw money at it, but they have these ambitions to upset the party. So at what stage does Eddie Howe maybe turn Alan St. Maxwell turn the board and say, yeah, we're going to have to cut him loose because he's not. He's, you know, he's not fitting into to to what we want to to build here. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, look, you, you, it's always we're always sort of playing hypotheticals when we look too far in the future. But I I agree that you know I don't think he's at the top six level yet. I think he's brilliant for what Newcastle are right now. Um, and he, he, look, if if he carries on playing how he's been playing for the next two seasons, I think then he he'll be a worthwhile member of the squad. But I think until he starts to deliver those, you know, 10, 15 goals a season, more assists, I don't I don't see how, if Newcastle have grand aspirations of, like you say, making the top six, making the top four, I'm not sure whether he'd, he'd, he'd fit in quite as well. But I think for the time being, I do think he gets a bit too much stick than he should. But I think that's just the nature of the modern game. I think it's just the nature of football fans. I think they, you know everything's very short-sighted isn't it and he could have an absolute world against Spurs and all those criticisms will go away but like I say it's just the the one sort of issue I've got with him more than anything else is the consistency but I agree he has got better his decision making's better than it was and I think that's probably down to Eddie Howe you know look St Maximum you know from what he said he did enjoy working under Bruce but I think when you're just getting that little bit more sort of technical coaching, you, we have seen a big improvement in the last sort of six months from him. I guess how his approach brings a bit of discipline as well. With Bruce, you kind of felt it was just off the leash, go and do mm-hmm. what you want. And, yeah. and you saw that as well. It was always give the ball to St. Maxwell and let's see, see what well, he can do. I, I felt it was the same as well against Everton when he came off the bench. I, I felt they went from playing as a team to playing, it was Alan St. Maxwell's game. The balls just seemed always go over to St. Maximum and again we know what he can do and look I'm a fan of him like you say he gets the fans off the, off the seats and we all love it when he's on the ball and running towards players but I do think it's a, it's a real fine balance you know he's been replaced by Jacob Murphy of late and, and Eddie Howe seems to be a big fan Jacob Murphy of course you know we don't know what's going to happen in the summer how do you think Jacob Murphy's done in that role? Yeah I think Jacob Murphy's you know he's, he's came in and he's done a job I think it's good that he's got a bit of versatility you know you can trust him to play right wing back in that system you can trust him to sort of play further forward I think Jacob Murphy would be such a good player if you had a really good end product but I just don't think I think that's the part of the game that's missing and I think that's where the likes of Almiron and Murphy struggle compared to St Maximum because St Maximum does deliver I know I'm moaning about his goals and assists but he, he has been putting up much better numbers this season so Look, I like Jacob Murphy. Like you say, there's question marks over whether he'll be there in the summer, but I think I think he's a good player to have around. You know, he obviously supports the club, um, and I can't say he's done much wrong. I think if he just posted, you know, 
if his end product was just a little bit better, then I think you know he'd be a real favourite. But it's just the sort of weakness in his game, I think. Just stop thinking it. Just just, just put, put your it foot in through net. it. <laughs> you know, that's, I, he did that interview with the with the, the club website not too long ago, and he was he was saying, yeah, fourth time looking. Just, just stop thinking it. Just mm-hmm. put it in the back of the net. And like you say, he is a Newcastle United fan, and you can see he's just loving every moment. And he's he's probably going to be in that first batch second batch maybe at a stretch where you get to a certain level and then the investment comes in but mm-hmm. you know um you know he's one of those who's who's he's not shied away from the challenge i don't think which is which has been great to see dwight gale getting a couple of goals really interesting because i actually feel like dwight gale would be better suited to the system newcastle play than chris wood would be mm-hmm. you know he, he hangs on the last man he runs into the channels look he's not as good as callum wilson Callum Wilson is a totally different level. But in terms of style of play, I think the way Newcastle do play suits Gale better. And, you know, Steve Bruce was full of praise from Eddie Howe, you know, has, has said some things about him, but he just doesn't get a look in. I mean, what, what, what game was it? Was it against Everton? He comes on, he gets booked within 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, how is a player meant to make an impact with with, with, with such limited time? It's, it's, it, it baffles me sometimes. But what does the future hold for Dwight Gale? Surely he's away in the summer? I mean, it's a tricky one because I think I've been saying the last three years, surely he's away in the summer. It's just he, <laughs> he just hangs about. He's sort of the forgotten man of the squad, but he always just hangs around. I mean, there's, there must have been multiple championship offers for him because we've all seen how he tore that league up. And it just sort of seemed weird that Newcastle didn't cash in under him. Bruce liked him, didn't really give him that much of a chance. He gave him a sort of in fits and spells. But I am really surprised he's still there. Obviously, he's had his problem with injuries, but you know he, he isn't getting a look in under how, like you say, he came off the bench the other day and, and got booked straight away. You just don't really know how fit he is. I think he does fit into this system, but I think there's probably a reason he's not starting or he's not getting more of a look in. So it's interesting to see that. Obviously, he's, he's bagged two the other day in that friendly. Like you say, the standard's nowhere near what we need. But you know, maybe this is just hopefully the start of him find his feet again, find his form and stay in fit mainly because he's obviously had his, his troubles. But, I mean, look, we've said this the last couple of years, but if he goes in the summer, then I wouldn't be surprised. But equally, if he stays and he's still there in August, I wouldn't be surprised either, just warming the bench. It's been a good week, I think, for Newcastle United and Eddie Howe. You know, Dwight Gale getting two goals will boost his confidence. St. Maximum getting two goals will boost his confidence. Some have actually suggested that Alan St. Maximum play up top instead of Chris Wood. I've seen that put across on social media. And then you have Chris Wood on international duty with New, New Zealand, becoming the all-time goal scorer and also grabbing, I think it was three in total across the two games. So he's going to come back, you know, on cloud cloud nine. You've got this really good feeling amongst, you know, the forward three who who maybe could start is that lone man up top against Spurs. So... It's, it's been a good week for Newcastle in terms of the goal scorers. Yeah, look, the attackers have all had a good week. You know, the vibes coming out of the camp are good. Chris Woods had a really good, you know, spell away. Hopefully what he needed, you know, to start finding his scoring boots again. Again, we're talking about the quality, you know, New Caledonian and Fijian teams that he's scoring against, you know, probably aren't the best. But look, it's when you're a striker, you just feed, you know, you feed off that the sort of you've got to beat what's in front you, of you yeah and look it doesn't matter whether you're scoring against Fiji or whether you're scoring against France if you're scoring goals you you know you, you are going to your confidence is naturally going to rise so 
you know, I was really happy when Chris Wood came in. One, because it obviously took such a big part of Burnley's game away from them. But two, because, look, he's when you look at his record in the la- Premier League over the last couple of years, he's consistently scoring more than 10 goals. And I've been, uh, out of all the January signs, I've been most disappointed by him because, you know, he's getting good balls into the box and there's been a couple of times where he's getting his head on it and there's just no conviction. So hopefully he comes back, you know, revitalised, full of form and, and, you know, he's ready to sort of show what he can do. Do you think because that is because the, the balls coming into the box, yes, they're, they're good, but they're not all that consistent. Like, he doesn't. he's, he's not missing six or seven chances a game. He's, he's getting maybe one or two. And of course, if you're a good striker, let's say Alan Shearer will put that away. We're not, you know, he's not, he's not Alan Shearer's level, is he at all? But do you think that's maybe got something to do with it where if they were coming in on a more consistent basis of these crosses, he would be putting more away? I know that sounds a daft question because you would say yes, but what I'm talking about, like, it's just, I just feel like when the ball comes in, maybe he's not switched on enough, but that is partly because the service isn't there throughout the game. Yeah, I think that is probably a good shout. And I think one of the reasons he was so successful at Burnley was because their game plan was so centred around... Just whip it in. Just get the yeah. ball in the box and Chris Wood will score. And like you say, we have we have seen balls in the box to him. He has missed some chances where I'm looking thinking he's got to be scoring it. But like you say, how hasn't changed his system to suit Chris Wood and look he might just need a bit of settling in look he's done fine he's done okay he's a really good physical presence he's good at holding the ball up he's very good at winning headers I just think if he can just start finding his feet in front of goal then then he'll be the player that Newcastle fans it's difficult though isn't it like we've mentioned there the way they play and his like we said bread and butter get the ball in the box it's not happening too often so what what, what do you do because at the moment he, he's, he's, he's winning Balls in the air, but there's no one running on beside him. So, you know, he's he's doing his job, but but the system maybe isn't playing to his strengths. So then, does he drop deep like Harry Kane does? Maybe you know, we we saw it against uh, when Jacob Murphy hit the post and Ryan Fraser put it in. Would drop deep, lovely ball through to Murphy. Murphy dinked it, stopped dinking it, and he hit the post and Fraser put it in. So we, he can he can do that. Mm-hmm. Is that what he's got to do more often? You think? I think maybe. Yeah, I think. I think I've noticed sometimes, you know, when Dubravka's getting the ball, he's dropping very deep to try win it. And then you're getting the likes of St. Maximin and Miggy sometimes running off him, which, and Fraser obviously, which is working well in the channels. Look, how might have told him, you know, this is this is what I want you to do. I want you to win and be the sort of, like you say, the cane sort of provider. But I think just, you know, whatever whatever it takes, this, you know, for him to get firing, you know, he might he might like going deep, you know, he might, you know, prefer himself as just a sort of poacher target man. Look, it's still very early to judge. You know, he's only been here two months. He's played, you know, a handful of games. You know, we might be talking about this in two months' time and saying, oh, you know, how brilliant he's been the last two months. So I don't want to be too quick to judge him because we all know he is a talented player. Um, so, yeah, just like I say, I hope he, he comes back and he's firing. Maybe this week is the spark he needs to, to find it in the in the Premier League with Newcastle United. And the same maybe with Miguel Almiro. I know there's been plenty of discussion about his future. He scored against Ecuador. And I, I do feel he is a player that, that he's a confidence player. But I'm a big fan. Anyone that listens to this podcast knows I'm, I'm a big fan of Almiro. And I think he does the, the work that gets doesn't get the headlines. It's, it's unseen work in, in many ways. But of course, we're now at the stage where players have to step up and, and fans are looking at every player thinking what what does the future hold 
but the, for me, the hope is that that goal against Ecuador can spark him into life. And you know, we've seen in the previous few weeks he has been given it, been given a chance. Not all fans were happy at that. Um, but yeah, what does the what does the future hold for me? One, do you think? Miggy's such a tricky one because, like you say, he, he grafts and he grafts and he's good for the team and he's you know when Howe wants to press, Miggy's the man to do it. But I mean the stats don't lie. I mean obviously he scored against Ecuador the other day, but he hadn't scored or assisted a teammate since February 2021 before that goal. And I just think that sums him up. When he came in, he came into so much fanfare, obviously £20 million, everyone was so excited, he'd torn the MLS up, and it just seemed like, you know when he you know when he hit the bargain, so to speak? I was just about to mention that. It, honestly, it feels like if that goal had went in, we'd be talking about Miggy now as like Sliding a, doors moment. As like, an, as like a match winner. Yeah. And it just seemed like from minute one, when it took him so long to score, it, it, it just feels like he'd never sort of, you know, became the player he could have been and I remember when he scored it was against Palace his yeah. first goal and the place absolutely erupted because everybody wanted him to score and I don't feel like that love is there from now I feel like I wrote a piece about it this week you know it's my first piece actually for the Crown and I said you know he will probably be the first victim of the takeover when big quality players start coming in I don't think his work rate is going to cut it and it's such a shame because I do like him. He's a very, very honest player. Interesting. So it's it's the work rate for you, not necessarily the. Because for me, I think he works his backside off. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I, I love his work rate. That's. Oh, that's, you think so that? But that won't be enough to. That keep won't him. be enough to keep him in the team. I think, for now, it's great. But like you say, no goal and assist in 13 months. It's. It, I don't think that alone, that work rate, that honesty, will be enough to keep him in the team or in the squad beyond the summer. And when I wrote that piece last week and obviously put it out on social media, all the responses, or 99% of the responses were the same. Really good lad. Love him. But it's time to cash in. Do you know what I mean? And I think there's sort of this fan consensus now that if he goes, there'll be that sort of disappointment of what could have been. But I don't think people are going to be too, too cut up about it. Which is a shame because, like I say, I, I do like him, but... That goal that went in against Huddersfield, a really different moment, wasn't it? Yeah, one hundred percent. I totally agree with that. And you're talking about the kind of players who are coming in, you know, totally different level. Bruno Gimaresh is exactly the sort of player that fits that category. Eight minute cameo against Brazil, grabbed an ass- uh, sorry for Brazil, grabbed an assist against Chile. He's he's just been unbelievable, hasn't he? Hasn't he? Since he's started to get that run in the team, you can totally see why some have touted him as is one of the best in Europe. I was I was laughing at myself actually. I remember it was his his first game after he signed in January, and I was sat in the sat in the Leasers. Can't remember who Newcastle were playing, and Bruno was on the bench, and he started running down the touchline to warm up, and the full stadium was like you know chanting Bruno Bruno. And I was just thinking, no, like hardly any of these people will have seen him play, but he came in with so much hype, and I was just sat there thinking, I really hope that he lives up to it, and he, already he looks like. He looks a different level. He looks sort of trippier level where they're just that step above. And I think, like you say, everybody touted him when he came in as such a you know a top European player. Arsenal wanted him for months. And I think he's came in, he's hit the ground running. And now, like you say, how slowly bedding him in, you know, a couple of appearances off the bench. And obviously now he's had three starts on the spin, being really, really good, 
brilliant goal against Southampton. He's he's really really exciting, and I think going into the summer and beyond, he's the sort of player that I think you can see how or you know whoever replaces how in the you know next builds that team around him for the next five or so years if we can keep him because he looks he does look different gravy. We'll have our preview podcast on Thursday as usual with John Gibson, but I'll just ask Aaron here quickly. The midfield selection against Spurs, what happens there? I think I would keep it the same. I like I like what it's been like with Bruno, Shelby and Willick. I think they complement each other well. Shelby still goes for the killer pass. Bruno's the grafter, but he also has that sort of touch of class. And Willick recently has been much improved, I think. You know, he's, he came in in the summer and, you know, everyone was quite happy with it, but he didn't sort of didn't fit the... You know, he didn't sort of match up the form that he had last year, but I think the three of them worked well, and yeah, I, I don't think I'd change it for Spurs. Where does Joe Linton come into that? Because, I mean, we, we he's been absolutely brilliant, and I think his form will continue. I think he's 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 just found something that fits for him. Eddie Howe is, is clearly... Ta- I mean, I, I've said this before, I'd love to know where Eddie Howe got this idea from that Joe Linton could be this midfield enforcer but you have this quality in midfield a lot of people said Newcastle missed Shelby so it's a great dilemma on one hand to have but I think a lot of people will be pushing for Jolinton to return yeah look I think the the thing with Jolinton is like you say how on earth he's managed to find himself as a centre midfielder I don't know but he's completely excelled at it I'm just not sure whether long term you know we don't really know long term whether he'll stay there or whether he'll sort of be moved back to a 10 in a different system or back out the wing. I don't really think he will, but it's probably an option. But like you say, with Bruno coming in, Willick performing, and potentially, you know, summer signings, one of whom could be a midfielder, you know, does Joe have a long-term future there? Or, you know, I hope he does, but I think that's maybe one to be seen, whether, you know, he can sort of, nail down one of those sort of three positions in the midfield um, to hopefully you're going to have two of Newcastle's best players returning before the end of the season Callum Wilson Kieran Trippier Kieran Trippier posted on social media himself on a, a bike working back up to fitness Callum Wilson was pictured kicking a ball Eddie Howe is confident Kieran Trippier might not be too far away. He said it was all about um, the reaction to him coming out of the boots, and if there wasn't a negative reaction, it might not be too long away. I guess, you know, the other thing is he said, we, we don't want to rush them back. These are the type of injuries that if you rush someone back, then the impact can be really negative and you can see them out for a longer period. Newcastle's place in the league, not, of course, safe yet, uh, but they can afford maybe not to have... They don't need to rush them back, which is the important thing. Yeah, look, I think if these injuries happened a month or two ago, then there'd be that dilemma of we really need these players back because we're still sort of in a in a really crucial relegation battle, but we don't want to sort of rush them back. And I think it's been a blessing, you know, the last sort of run of games before the Everton and Chelsea defeats, that they've got that breathing space now between themselves and the bottom three, and how will now hopefully have the luxury of just, you know, easing them back in. I think with Wilson especially, with it being sort of an Achilles calf problem, it's one that he really needs to, you know, look at carefully. He won't be wanting to rush him back, especially with Wood coming in. Trippier is a bit different, obviously, with it being sort of a fractured foot. But like you say, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle can sort of guarantee safety in the next couple of weeks. 
and he just completely puts a you know sort of a blanket round them and and hardly uses them in the last couple of games, you know, with the view to sort of giving them a full preseason of yeah, that full be key, fitness. It? Yeah. yeah, definitely because you don't want to don't want to get them use them too early and then get them a little bit injured and then they miss three four weeks yeah. of pre-season because it's going to be really important pre-season um just before we, we wrap up and we're going to ask i'm going to ask Aaron about his top 10 newcastle United goals now if you listen to gibbo's corner earlier this week john gibson picked his top 10 newcastle United goals and i've given Aaron the list we've also allowed you guys to reorder john's top 10 i'll pop that link in the comments if you've not done so already i'm going to ask Aaron in a moment about those goals and he's going to give us his top 10 but um how's your first week been there's been plenty of of, of, of good content on 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 our website i know you you put out a list of uh, the things you would recommend uh, our listeners to, to catch up on yeah it's been a fantastic week you know it's um as you say it's been a dream job and it, it, it's great to come in and work with such a great team even though it's been an international break, you know, we've had a lot of good content go up, you know, interviews with Stephen Taylor and Nobby Solano and obviously your, you know, chat with Nick DeMarco, which I would recommend everyone goes and reads because it, you know, really insightful and, you know, stuff that fans probably won't have heard before. So, yeah, look, some great content going up and I'm, I'm just looking forward now to this international break being over so that one get back to actually watching your castle a bit. I can't stand it, national break. It does, it does my nothing. I just, I kind of, nah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to... Uh, Back to Premier League football. But yeah, the Nick DeMarco stuff, you can catch out on our website. A lovely, lovely chap. I mean, he's obviously at the top of his field, but he's so down to earth. You know, he's got a link to Newcastle as well, Mark, Mark Tony, uh, a distant family member. Um, you either set that up or, or, or created some, created that shop. That's a well-known ice cream shop in Newcastle. I'm sure if you're from Tyneside, you'll know what that is. But yeah, a lot, just a couple of things in that interview that I just think we should we talk about. I mean... The fact that um, I think most people, when they have this relationship with Newcastle United fans, they might play up to it, but Nick didn't. You know, we all know that his bread making skills was 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 analysed, and every tweet that he posted was was Newcastle United fans suddenly became you know a, a team of detectives. But instead of just saying, Do you know what, it was great, he came out and said it was bizarre and a little bit concerning at times. And I actually think that gives you more. Uh, favour with Newcastle United fans because he's, he's, he's been honest and he's saying you know what at times it was a bit of a scratch the head moment you did sort of wonder at times whether he was playing up to it didn't you in the summer and like you say when Newcastle fans were pouring over every little detail of you know every single photo with the bread and the you know the drinks in the background I certainly thought that he was you know he's doing this on purpose and all that but it was good to know that he sort of wasn't you know sort of playing up to the fans and stuff but yeah look he seems like a great chap the interview was great and I think you know, you know, the stuff that he did for Newcastle around the takeover was obviously, you know, stand him in good stead with the fan base. So yeah, and Mike Ashley as well. He praised Mike Ashley. Said he was one of the best clients he's worked with, and without his uh, determination, I'm kind of paraphrasing here because I haven't got the, the quote up with us. Basically saying without Mike Ashley, the takeover wouldn't have gone through his determination to to really take on the Premier League. Uh, interesting because it hasn't gone down too well with Newcastle fans, but I think the large majority can actually say, do you know what, that, yeah, we, we, we can accept that. I think, look, you, you're always going to run the risk whenever you talk about the likes of Mike Ashley that Newcastle fans are just so, you know, anti Mike Ashley that, you know, they're never going to give him any praise for anything. But I think if, when you do step back, look, Mike Ashley said he was a willing seller for 14 years. He, you know, was he, we don't know. But I think 
in the latter stages, he, you know, once he, the Premier League got involved, he did, you know, try and push us through. So I think you can sort of step back and say a little bit of credit needs to give him just a just a little bit. There we are. And we're going to finish on this uh, Gibbles Corner episode. I, I did ask you to to name Riora your top ten, but what I'm going to do actually, I'm just going to get you to pick your top. Well, you you your number one, and we'll we'll not spoil the list for for others. But just give me the number one that you've picked out of those top 10? So the number one, now I think this list is going to be very subjective. I think if you're from sort of a, you know, a Old, later, an old era, you can I say think, it, don't worry. I think if you're from an older era, you're going to have, you know, certain favourites. Now for me, I've gone for Alan Shearer's goal against Everton, purely because I can remember being in St. James's Park, you know, um, and when it went in, and I think when you look at it, you know, Shearab, you know, will even say himself, he probably never hit a better one, um, obviously late in the game as well. So it was a very, very tricky one because there's some amazing strikes on there, but I've, I've went for Shearer. I'm just going to check where that is on Gibbo's list. That's number fourth on Gibbo's list. So um, he's picked three ahead of that. And again, as Aaron says, it is all about, I think, the age you are and stuff. And if you listen to the episode, you'll understand why a couple of the goals... Uh, or you'll understand the three goals ahead of Shira in that list. But do listen to the episode. It was it was a really enjoyable one, and hopefully it got you through the international break. Finally, Aaron, just tell people where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, my at is at Aaron J Stokes on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow me for my Newcastle updates, there we go on Newcastle. I do head over and follow Aaron if you do not already. That's the end of this episode. Please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. It's totally free to do. Just means with every new episode we upload you'll get a notification to say it's ready to listen to and remember about our live event April the 7th £5 a ticket at the Tyneside Irish Centre proceeds go to the NUFC Fans Food Bank it will be a great night to come and quiz our Newcastle United panel plus the Mirrors Simon Bird to talk about all things Newcastle United